Welcome back, friends. Laskarf here, and it's time for basically a podcast. And this time we're talking to Spiff Benevolent. And, uh, as always, these are conversations, and we just talk about whatever I think is interesting for us to talk about. And, but the first thing is, since I'm bringing on Spiff and it's been a while, what have you been up to? Uh, <laughs> the same stuff, mainly, uh, just doing my own thing. I'm not really, I'm not really an online person anymore, so mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't really do anything that would be, uh, notable, I guess, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still here. I'm still, uh, playing some games. Uh, watching some things occasionally when I get the chance, and it's uh, something I really want to look at. But actually, this is—I feel like this is more. This is more like a recap from last time, where you went off and watched and played some things that I recommended, and now you're coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To uh, to let me know how it was. Yeah, and I think that's a fun conversation now because these are things other people might be interested in. But some of them are spoiler territory. So before we get there, I want to talk about some of the new things happening. Like Fall Guys, because I know you've been really into it just like I have. Yeah. And oh, what do you think is like? How was it? Like, what do you think is the best thing about Fall Guys? Uh, I don't know. I just like that I can play it for like twenty minutes if I want to, or thirty minutes, or ten minutes. Like, there's no real commitment to it. And it's just fun. I people, I've heard people say it's frustrating. Like I have two of my friends can't stand it, but most of my friends love it. But I know there's people out there that like legitimately cannot handle playing the game. It's too frustrating, and they just get they give up. But I find it extremely relaxing. (laughs) And uh, even though at times it can be really intense for like a brief period of time, overall I think it's really relaxing because most of the courses are you know super easy. Yeah, I think. Most intense moments are maybe like DoorDash when you get hit with the Black Friday uh, stampede. That's that's always fun. Um, or like Tiptoe, where you know you're gonna you're close to getting eliminated. Things like that, or just the win. I think anyone who gets really frustrated is the people who want to win. That's got to be it. Like if you're looking at it as I want to win and not just mess around, and you're just <laughs> not getting the W. I think that would be frustrating, and I know I've felt that because I've done like hour long runs. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm so close, I'm so close, and I don't get it. And But I've won enough times where I'm like, I don't need to be that frustrated. I, I've actually gotten it. Well, there's people who... I can't remember the streamer who didn't get a win after like 600 and something. What? It was Tim the Tap, man. Yeah, him. He didn't get a win for like 600 and something runs. Like, all right, yeah, yeah I don't need to be frustrated. He's, he's had it rough. Wow. Well, one of my friends couldn't handle like the just the sheer amount of people that would bump into you. <laughs> he, he he hates he he in general he doesn't like being around people. Oh, okay. And he he gets frustrated by he, in the game like he just gets frustrated by uh the lack of control that he has and the amount of people that are just bumping into him all the time. He couldn't he quit after I think two games. I played wow. like two rounds and he, just, <laughs> he uninstalled. Mm, like. Yeah, that gets annoying sometimes when you... that yeah, yeah, those are when I get a little annoyed. I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. Like, block party, where you have to do, like, the jumping near the end. Yeah. And I'm good, and then someone knocks me over. I'm like, oh, you gotta be... And then I'm out, I'm like, ah. Yeah. Like, the only lesson you can learn is don't be near people. Uh, or, like, slime climb. People start to learn uh, when you go on to... It's near the end, where there's the two poles, and then the one pole you have to jump to to get to the end, to get to the next part. People have learned to stand on that single pole, like the yellow, that yellow stick pad thing. People have learned to stand there, and it makes other people fall off. It's really annoying. 
So I've just learned to just get ahead of everyone so I don't have to deal with that. Um, yeah, there are things that can be frustrating, uh, especially when I remember I got to the end of Slime Climb, someone grabbed me and pushed me off right before the end, and I got real mad, like, oh, you, uh, was so <laughs> frustrated, and then, like, I didn't do another round. Because yeah. the, the nice thing about Fall Guys is it has the population. If it didn't have the population that lets you play, like, a, within a minute of failure, you can just play another round. If it wasn't like that, we had to wait a long time. I think it would make people stew a bit in their, if they were frustrated. But you can easily just get to another round and try again. Yeah, that, no, that's what I love about it. You just keep going and... Uh, also, I feel like I'm good at it, so... Yeah. That's nice, too. It always feels good when you, you think you're, you're good at a game. Alright, so I, I've been watching... So I, I've watched um, season one of The Boys when it came out, and I really liked it. Uh, cause it's like really, <laughs> it's so messed up. And, uh, so I was hope it ends on a, I don't know if you know anything about it, but the season, season one ends on a cliffhanger and it's like, where is this going? And season two recently dropped and I thought they dropped an entire series, but they only dropped three episodes. So I ah. just binged all three episodes and then realized <laughs> that there were no more. And so I just, it was almost like a moment where I don't know, it was, it was very degenerate behavior, but I was like, I need something else right now because <laughs> I planned on binging this like this entire weekend. Mm. And so then I immediately went and looked up for no reason at all, uh, Metal Gear Solid two cutscenes, And I just watched <laughs> that. So there's a five hour video that I went and watched because I was, I was so, uh, keen on binging something that i just i had to fill the gap and i, I ended up watching Metal Gear Solid 2 which is incomprehensible yeah. and hilarious and dramatic but it's actually it's real like it's overly dramatic there's all these times someone takes off their helmet or whatever and they like do a hair flip uh yeah. it's actually it has astoundingly gay energy Ooh. uh and i know kojima i know in the fifth one there's the character quiet that's like a little teenage boy fantasy type like it's so yeah it's it's like almost it, it, I would say it's disgusting, like the level that he went to justify it. Like, oh, she needs sunlight to power her superpowers or whatever. But uh, yeah, so there's that, which is like, oh, this is like clearly like, uh, uh, I don't know, heterosexual. But the, in the Metal Gear Solid 2, I, I find it extremely gay. So I don't know what's going on, but um, <laughs> it's very entertaining. Trying to remember two right now because I I played two maybe fifteen years ago so I'm trying to remember two I know I remember random things like yeah. there's the boat scene at the start which is very interesting but the boat scene is uh when your snake is if you don't if you don't say that you played one you completely skip the boat scene that whole like pro the prologue area? the entire prologue gets skipped if really you, if you say you you didn't play one like that's there Why? for the the fans of Snake apparently. So you lose that whole prologue. So you don't you don't have any backstory about I can't I can remember her name's like Olga, I think. Or Ola. Yeah, yeah. Olga, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that sets up the whole game. I'm surprised that they yeah. give you that option. Kojima, Kojima makes weird decisions and then everyone treats it like an auteur kind of choice. And I just think he's just well, this is just what he wanted to do. It's I feel like we give uh, certain directors way too much leeway. <laughs> Yeah. And way too much reverence. Yeah. And sometimes no. they just do weird stuff and it just works. 
I agree. I mean, the thing I will say is that's the studio that was making the Metal Gears and him in general. They they actually have a, a great sense of uh, storytelling. Not in the mm. not like the storytelling is all over the place in terms of like what happens and who is who. It's impossible to follow and keep track of unless you're a madman. Yeah. You've got a chart and everything. Like I've looked up videos to try to understand it, but it doesn't help. Like, you actually get more confused. However, the 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 cinematics and stuff, the way that they uh, use suspense and just the drama of it all, it's it's very compelling. Like I was saying, it's very easy to sit down and watch five hours. Like I ended up doing. I was it was I got engrossed in it, and it was you know, the mysteries unraveling, and there's twist after twist. And it makes no sense, but at the end of the day, it, it's it's visually nice. They know what they're doing from like a visual perspective, and it's entertaining. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. In that sense, I think he definitely knows what he's doing. Yeah. But yeah. Like, uh, in terms of every decision he makes being brilliant, I don't think so at all. <laughs> yeah, because I can think of a couple scenes that are really good from that one, like when Fortune is up against the uh, one of the Metal Gears at near the end. And she's using her power. And, like, that's a really dramatic... I think it's against Liquid Ocelot, I think. But where that's happening, and... It's really dramatic, and, like, where she doesn't yeah. have her thing. Like, this looks pretty cool and everything. There's a lot of really stylish choices. That look oh, very yeah, they're nice. always in rain. They're always, you know, there's always some dramatic backdrop. And so... I don't, I don't, I feel like... When it comes to Kojima's, like, I have all these crazy ideas and these crazy shots I want to do... And we'll figure out how to string it all together later. That's what it really feels like. Yeah. Did you play Death Stranding? I did not play Death Stranding. I've only played yeah. uh, the Metal Gears. And I don't know. Death Stranding just, when I look at it, I'm like, do I really want to play this? I don't think I do. It, it just looks so tedious and disgusting. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Like, this, like, it, it looks tedious. It, like, there's yeah. some fun to it, I think. But, um, like, uh, the 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 beauty of our time is we have so many choices. We have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to choices. Yeah. As a question of where do I want to use my time? Whereas when we were younger, there were only so many picks, and it was like so you would pick whatever could give you like the most time you could enjoy with it for a long period. And damn, we're just we're at a point where because. People will be like, if you don't have a certain console, like, why don't you have this console? There's all these amazing games. Because I have this console, and there's all these amazing games. And all my time's going to get taken up here, so I'm good. Because there are, like, amazing games that I won't be able to play on the PlayStation, because I don't have a PlayStation. So I won't be able to play Ghost of Tsushima. I won't be able to play... I didn't get to play Dad of War. And things like that. But I have a lot of options with the Switch. I have a lot of options with the PC, which is basically yeah. also the Xbox, so... As much as I'm missing out on some things, there's a lot of things I'm being able to enjoy that are taking up that time anyway. And not just gaming, we have also riches when it comes to movies and television. We're, we're yeah. in a really good age of entertainment. Yeah, I find myself not really feeling the need to play a lot of new things. Like, I'll play one or two of the newer games. Like, I'll play a Fall Guys or I'll mm -hmm. play... I don't know, whatever's hot. But then I'll oftentimes be going back and look and, and either playing or watching things that are older just because either I feel like I miss things or especially with games, I think there's 
some people were trying to do interesting things a while ago and now we've kind of synthesized a lot of that out it feels like and we're just going for the most um streamlined experiences where there was there were some interesting ideas being tossed around you know just like the metal gear series as an example that's kind of i mean death training i have no idea what's going on in that game so maybe i'm i'm <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm using Metal Gear as an example when actually Death Stranding is even more unique and more interesting, but it looks awful, so I'm not going to play it. Yeah, uh, like one example is, say, like uh, Shadow of Mordor, the Nemesis system, just looks like yeah. such an ingenious system, and I've never seen it utilized by anyone else. Until now, yeah. I found an indie that's going to use it, called Star Renegades. Really? And in that game, uh, you get to see the hierarchy of the enemy, uh, the enemy force... I'm like, oh, good, finally someone's using the dang Nemesis system, because it's such an yeah. ingenious system. So I'm glad an indie's picking it up. At least someone's doing it. And that's where I look to indies. 90% of indies are not great, but there's that <laughs> 10%. Like, I, I've already played where, like, two-thirds through the year, I've already played about maybe 200 to 300 indie games. Wow. And maybe 20 of them were worth your time. It It's very... I really feel for indies because it's all these people trying to follow this dream or this idea. And a lot of times it's either the execution or the idea, just something that just doesn't work. And even when it's an amazing game, sometimes it just doesn't find its audience, which is also frustrating. But um, there are some really good gems that just make you want to play them again and again and again. And yeah. uh, let's see, what's the biggest indie? Like, they're just interesting ideas. Like, Star Engage is coming out in two days, and it's going to have Nemesis. Like, this episode will be out around the time it comes out. And it's going to have Nemesis system, and it's from the people who made Halcyon 6. And Halcyon 6 was a pretty uh. interesting game. It was like Deep Space Nine, but you're dealing with alien invasions, and you did a lot of management. It was pretty fun. Did and, you, have you seen um, uh, 198X? 198X? That sounds familiar. I don't think it's out yet. I don't think I have. Maybe it's a it's a Nintendo uh, indie. I don't want to say it's an exclusive, but it might be. I, I think it's a, it's it's like the it's a coming of age drama, but through like arcade games from the nineties or 2000s. oh, this came out last year, two thousand nine. Is it out June twenty? Yeah, last year. Yeah. Huh. huh. I didn't see this one. Okay. Yeah, it's also a, a lot of indie games. So it's, all right, so it's like kind of like a nostalgia kind of thing? Yeah, it looks like nostalgia, but interesting art style and uh, storytelling convention. I'm curious. I, I didn't realize it was out, but I got to look into it because I saw the trailer the other day. I was like, man, how did I miss this? It's cool. Yeah, kind of curious about that one. Just as a... That's what I also like about gaming is there's so many experiences you can have. Like, there's a coming-of-age story. Yeah. Like... Yeah. I think one of the best indies I've played in in years was uh, Night in the Woods was really good. Yep. That was really relatable. Uh, just, also, this, the beauty of indies is the different ideas. Like, of course, going back to like, Papers, Please, that was a hell of an idea. Oh, yeah. Great. That's probably the greatest indie game ever, right? Other than Minecraft. <laughs> it's really good. Than... Like, <laughs> It's really good. I don't know what you could say is the... I think the greatest indie game of all time probably is Minecraft at the end of the day. Yeah. It it did so much. Like whether you like um 
notch or not at this point. He made an incredible thing, and it took him like 10 years to make it. And, yeah. And it's just gone places. You know what? Hold on. I just, I'm, I'm thinking about Metal Gear still. <laughs> it's going to be like Fast and Furious and last time. Uh, no, Metal Gear, there's, I love, I don't know how you are, but I love anything to do with spies. I love mystery, that thriller feeling. Yeah. And there's something about when I'm watching the, the cutscenes of it or playing the game, uh, either the, any of the, the Metal Gears, you feel really compromised all the time because you don't really know what's going on. So you're vulnerable in a sense where you're ignorant as to who is what, who you can trust, all that stuff. You're in a you're in a very compromised situation from that regard. And it just it feels like at any time you can be killed, even though you're like an elite soldier. Someone's someone can always expose you, and that that happens a few times in those games where you kind of either get someone betrays you, or you know you get uh, found out, and then you're getting like tortured or whatever. Like I'm watching Metal Gear Solid Three right now, and that's mm -hmm. happening because, <laughs> as I yeah, said, I was really I was set on binging things. I'm now binging Metal Gear Solid Three cutscenes. <laughs> well, have you but, yeah. uh, finished Metal Gear? Have you played Three or just watching it now? Or no, you know what? I don't think I. No, the I honestly I think I've here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up and watching all these games get played. Okay. So I'm like rewatching them. And I don't really remember much. I only watched a bit of cuz I would like go to a cousin's house or something and watch them play it. Mm -hmm. Uh so yeah, I watched Metal Gear Solid 2 when I was a kid and a bit of Metal Gear Solid 3, maybe a bit of 4. I actually played 5 myself. Mm. I enjoyed that one. Okay. Like uh, I don't uh... think I finished it. All right, because three's my favorite. Really? Uh, just uh, I, mm. when you think about them, they're all insane. All of them are insane because oh, that's yeah. Kojima for you. Um, but three, I think, just the way he did the storytelling, and just the way he is dramatic and how he does things, it it yeah. got me in the end. In the end, I cried at the end of the at three. It really got yeah. me. Yeah. Because there's a lot about duty and things like that, and what you're willing to do for your country. What do you think? What I what I don't get is if you were playing these in order, I uh, does everyone did everyone back then just take them as they came and were just playing them and like oh okay because you have all there's so many of the same characters but the storyline is so messed up I don't understand how you go from one to the other and make sense of it like i'm just watching them as their own games basically and not even thinking about like the larger implications because like for example the second one is like 30 or 40 years in the future or 50 maybe i don't even know compared compared to the third one the third one yeah. is is going backwards so i don't even understand what is happening i think one is whenever it happens and then two is maybe 20 years later or 30 years later it can't be too much further because Snake can't get too old yet. Yeah. And then yeah, three is Snake's father, which make it more complicated. And then four. Oh. Uh, yeah, oh. Th yeah, three is Snake's father. That might be oh, what got you there. Yet. Uh, so the father of Liquid and Solid Snake <laughs> is three because he's naked Snake. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Actually, I don't even know if they convey that. Uh. You uh. I don't even know if they convey that it's his father, and so it's just really confusing, right? Because they even yeah. call it like a a virtuous mission. It's like a virtual mission. No, a virtuous mission. It's like yeah, uh, it's getting yeah. more screwy. 
Yeah, I had no idea what they're talking about. They also mentioned, they just casually mentioned VR in 2001, and they don't, exp- like, so in Metal Gear Solid 2, they mentioned VR. Yeah. And they, they never define it as virtual reality. And I'm watching it in 2020, and it makes perfect sense, but I'm like, I, I thought about it. I was, would anyone have gotten this? Like, I know they talk <laughs> about simulations a lot, too, but would anyone have defined it as virtual reality? Because I don't think they ever mention it as that. It becomes a question of when did the Matrix come out? Because I feel like the Matrix really affected how people view virtual reality. Yeah. M- Matrix was 90s, late 90s. Matrix was... 99. Yeah, 99. And then I'm... V- yeah, Metal Gear 2 is definitely after, after that point. Yeah, so... I yeah. feel like the Matrix really gave a lot of people the abstract concept of virtual reality. Yeah. So it's possible he was relying on that because you see how creators are influenced by movies here and there. Oh, yeah. And so it's possible that. But uh, let's see another thing with three. Like Raiden, uh, if you if you pick, because if you pick it that you play, it, they'll ask you, what's your favorite game, Metal Gear Solid 1 or Metal Gear Solid 2 when you play 3? And if you pick... Two, Snake wears a Raiden mask at the start. So you're like, what the fuck? You get confused, like, what do you mean? What's Raiden doing? He's like, oh no, it's Snake. All right, okay. And then he just rips it off. Yeah. They just, just weird Kojima choices to mess with you. Interesting. But like, um, it's really weird. Also, yeah, think about how the boat's not there if you don't say that you played one. Because yeah. they talk about the la 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 They talk about the Patriots. <laughs> I don't even know what the I was watching that I was just laughing because I had no idea what this stupid you know la 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 whatever yeah it's what, what is this it's a weird thing of like there's all these different groups there's the Patriots the, the, there's the la 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 there's um there's so much silly stuff going on the, also, the philosophers yeah there's their own the, thing right there's just too much going on oh and then when you get to to four. They try to wrap everything up, and that doesn't sound... It, it all sounds insane trying to wrap it all up in four. And then five happens, which is even further back. As here. Five is before one, it's after three. Really? Uh, yeah, it's five is in the past. It's not in the future. To make it even more confusing, it's another game in the past. Well... It's weird. Because yeah. it's... Because um, you're trying to understand whether or not it's Big Boss or it's not. Uh, with this one, and Big Boss died before one. It gets all confusing. And then, yeah, two got more confusing because a freaking Solidus Snake looks yes. just like Big Boss. And like, yeah, just because you got that, just because you lost your eye doesn't mean you're dead, and things like that. It's just a lot of complicated stuff is going on. And I just feel like it's not on purpose, but just uh, we'll just say this did it it's basically the equivalent of back in the day god did it like just for everything yeah like some higher power did it or some shadow power did it and we'll figure it out later and then it's like we never figured it out later but here's what we got anyway i, I love the, the superpower aspect to it too it's like a spy super you know there's a bunch of characters that have these like abilities yeah. And that's gonna be um, very intimidating when you're just like a normal guy. You know, Snake's just a normal guy. Yeah, that's what special got... is. That's why he gets cloned is because Snake's just such a really good normal guy. They're like, this guy's really good for a normal dude. We should clone him. <laughs> and it's like, all right. Yeah, as someone who doesn't really know anything about the series, but I, I've tried to understand it a little <laughs> bit, and now I'm going back and watching them. It's it's very hilarious to me how. 
like I'm, I'm generally aware of the clones and everything, but it's just, it just all makes me laugh because it, it makes no sense. Yeah. I feel That's like even like even going through them and even if you watch versions where they take the piss out of the game, like they know what they're talking about as well. And it's still confusing. And I don't, even if you play all five, I feel like there's not, you still don't know what understand. Cause also I appreciate them. It's relying on trying to remember all that stuff while you're playing as well. Yeah. It's just insane. Like the stuff, like then there's like, how far you went to the three? Like, oh, you're at the torture scene. Okay. So you're, you're at snake getting tortured. You said, yeah. All right. So, okay. That stuff's up. So you've seen Ava. There's stuff with Ava. That's like really confusing. And even when you know all of her stuff, like what the hell's going on with this character and everything going on with Adam. And (laughs) also, also revolver. Ocelot was a dork even back then with his guns and, Oh yeah, and also it's just a silly, fun character, and but yeah. it's also just fun having Snake beat him up because, like, it's, dude, seriously. Well, in the fifth one, he's good and cool. I thought, right? In the in the fifth one, isn't Ocelot? He's on the the base with you the whole time. Yeah, like he's always been cool. It's just whether or not he's on your side or not, or okay. also because Ocelot's the, another spy character. You never know what the hell's going on with him. You also don't know who's actually his boss, even though, because <laughs> I think in like one, he's like, yes, Mr. President, or <laughs> yeah, because Mr. President is Solidus Snake. Right. So that's <laughs> happening. It's such a confusing mess of a game. <laughs> game but the, the, the gameplay is really cool. The, uh, and like the cutscenes are great. So yeah, that's all um, you really need. You just, you just know that it's stupid going in and then just laugh and enjoy yeah. the enjoy it's it does tension well it does yeah tension well. it really does like and the boss fights are fun um oh yeah for three uh let's see here it's the pain the sorrow the, i forget what the old guy's called right now um the fury the, the russian guy uh the the the, the the sniper with the parrot he's in uh, a wheelchair oh. he's the isn't he big boss or no and uh he's the end i can't remember what his name is yeah um there's like the sniper fight's really good when you don't know what you're doing because the way that fight goes is he's not he's not even trying to kill he's using trank rounds the whole time and Uh. you're in this giant field and it's a sniper battle and he's really hard to find because the dude's literally photosynthetic so he gets powered by the sun (laughs) so if you want you can actually wait for nighttime in that game to be able to fight him easier or you can wait for clouds, if I remember correctly. Like in that game, you could do uh, things like that. I remember if yeah. you're in a cave for thirty minutes, uh, the game gets brighter because your eyes adjusted to the darkness. It's so uh, there's little things like that. I just can't remember Love the that. name of him right now, but um, it's a really fun sniper battle. Sniper battles are really hard to do right. Like even the one with uh, Sniper Wolf was all right compared to this one. Did you ever play uh, 007 Nightfire on the uh, PlayStation 2 or the, the GameCube? I might have. I played some of the, the 007s. Like, my favorite, of course, is Goldeneye. And I played some of the others. I really love... 007 Nightfire still holds up. Nice. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Goldeneye does at all, but... Probably not. It's, but it's definitely a thing of its time, especially because you need the 64 controller to play it, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The Nintendo 64, despite all the nostalgia, I don't think it holds up. I think, I think the GameCube games actually hold up better. 
um, because they just had that that little extra bit of power and tinkering and knowledge. Like I have to think like <clears throat> unless they give us a sixty four classic. Um, I don't know what might have held up. Uh, I would assume Star Fox 64 holds up because it was such a good game in, in general. Yeah. I know Kirby 64, like, I'm going to eventually play Kirby 64 again for my other podcast, so I'll see yeah. how well that holds up. But, like, 007, just with how janky it looks and everything, I wonder. I know I spent a lot of time as a kid playing 007, uh, GoldenEye. Yeah. Ah, there's Donkey Kong, uh, what's it called, yeah, Donkey Kong 64 was in there. I just played um, Smash Bros. 64. That Ooh. that was pretty decent, actually. Uh, Mario Kart 64 is terrible. Mm. Uh, it was fun for nostalgia, but as a game, especially if you do anything, you know, if you do any sort of split screen playing, mm-hmm. it's awful. It is generally awful. You, it, it made my eyes bleed. That's important. Yeah, I I I would assume just off memory. Like, Double Dash is probably still really good from the GameCube. Yes. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I still play Pikmin 1 and 2. Like, yeah. I still play on the game. Like, with the Wii, of course, for the for, as in place of the GameCube, but still the GameCube game. Those are yeah, good. Yeah, that's a great one. Which, yeah. oh yeah, Pikmin 3 is coming. Like, the definitive edition is coming to Switch. I would rather I mean, 4, yeah. but I'll take it. I never played Pikmin 3, actually. I, I really like what they're doing, though, because as much as maybe the hardcore Nintendo fan, like, someone more like... Pro- I won't always say you're a hardcore Nintendo fan, because I don't know, but um, you're someone who would at least have played all these games, I think, right? Yeah, I grew up Nintendo. Yeah, so you've you've played, like, all the the Wii U era games and the Wii era games? Mm-hmm. I think, I think most people actually miss them. I th- So, like, and I'm judging that based off myself and just, you know, the more, the more, maybe the more casual fans. Like, I, I love Nintendo stuff, but I'm not, I'm not going to play every single game on every single generation because <laughs> I'm just not into them that much. Yeah. I love, I love when they get things right. But like, for example, the Wii U, I, I didn't play at all. I missed mm. it completely. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I didn't play Pikmin 3. I didn't play, uh, uh, Tropical Freeze, uh, the Donkey Kong game. I never played that. What's another one that they brought back? They they brought back a couple Wii, Wii U games. That's the problem. The Wii U was unfortunately a very forgettable system, so I can't even think of what else there was. Yeah, this is a Mario Toad's Toad's Adventure or whatever I think was. Oh, also... Captain Toad was pretty fun. I like that. That was good. Um, it's a cute adventure kind of puzzle adventure game. Uh, when they ported the Switch, I was happy with that because they added more to it. Yeah. Uh, what was another Wii U? Well, I played Breath of the Wild through the Wii U instead of the Switch. So, that was there, but it was also on the Switch at that point. I think I did as well. Um, but then I ended up getting it on the Switch, because I think, it, didn't it come out first on the Bre- on the Wii U? Yeah, it came out... Uh, yeah, I think it came out first on the Wii U, and then the Switch. I forget. What, it, it came out either as a launch title for the Switch... Or came out yeah. just before the Switch, then as a launch title for the Switch. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember it on on Wii U. It was a little bit of a there some frame rate issues, so I ended up just waiting and getting on the Switch instead. Yeah. All right, Splatoon was a Wii U game. Okay. Xenoblade Chronicles X. That's true. Super Mario like, Maker, right? Super Mario Maker was pretty good. Yeah. 
There's a couple Mario titles that they just ported over. All right, Pockin. Pockin was all right. Oh, yeah, Wonderful 101 was around the start of the Switch. I mean, the Wii U. Oh, Yoshi's Woolly World. So, well, the Wii U relied a lot on first party to keep going. To keep going. Yeah, but uh, that's fine. I mean, I think that's a good strategy that they're doing, where they're just taking all the best titles that they can get from from the Wii U era, because so few people played it. That, I mean, yeah, it'd be one thing if it was a massive success and they were just porting over these games. It's like, all right, that's kind of lazy. But in reality, it's like, hey, we have this library. We might as well put stuff on here. Now, speaking of that, I wish they would put all the games from. Uh, you know, was it the NES subscription? They don't even have all the games or whatever. Yeah. Am, I, am I wrong about that? Yeah, they don't have them all. Uh, there's a lot of them, but not all of them. They're slowly bringing them out. And I think if they let that library keep growing, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. If they ever start taking games out of the library, then I'll be upset. Because uh, I think yeah. the NES library and the Super NES library definitely justify having the online subscription, yep. especially if you're not playing Splatoon or something. Um, when I was, God, how old am I now? Uh, maybe 20, 18 years ago, the only way to play a lot of these games was to either own the system or emulation. Yep. And I went out of my way to play every single Super Nintendo game I could find on emulation. So it's nice seeing them again and being able to play them on a console instead of having to play them on a, on a PC. I've played like hundreds of SNES games, and it's just nice seeing them again here. And I would. I really would like it if they could somehow get a hold of Sega's library and just put it on there too. I don't know how they'd pull it out. That would be insane. Like if Nintendo could acquisition or rent just Sega's games and put them on online, like, oh wow, this era's back. That'd be so cool. <laughs> so I don't think that's gonna happen. No, but... never. Uh the best chances if Sega does like a couple classic. That's the only way. And I wouldn't I don't have a problem with that. What do you think of the the Nintendo Direct, the Mario All-Stars business, all that stuff from last week? So, uh, it was great until someone brought up it's a monkey's paw. I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. Yeah, okay. I was really hype until that moment, because it's... You get to play these games again. And the one that got me is like, oh, I get to play Sunshine again. Because yeah. I haven't played Sunshine, well, since it came out the first time. Yep. And I remember it being like the water looked pretty nice and all the paint and everything was really cool. Yeah. And I assume that that's kind of how Splatoon happened was they're like, uh, we can do something with paint or something with because original was going to be a Mario <laughs> game, Splatoon, and some like paint and water. We did something like this before with Sunshine. And then they decided to make it an original IP and that became Splatoon. Wasn't there the Mario game? The What was that Mario game where uh, he, he had paint? Wasn't there a Mario game? Or no, is it Mickey Mouse? Mickey Mouse. What oh, was that Disney uh, game? Epic Mickey. Epic Mickey. Yeah. Was or, that Nintendo or no? I'm um, lose my mind. It was a Nintendo exclusive at it first. Was. Eventually it went to the other consoles. Okay. But it was originally just Nintendo, if I remember correctly. Okay. That one's interesting because the guy who made Epic Mickey, uh, he actually, his PhD thesis was on original Mickey. So they got the perfect guy for the job. Okay. Because he brings in uh, Oswald the Rabbit. And that was Walt Disney's original creation was Oswald the Rabbit. It's kind of the same thing as Matt Groening, where 
Matt Groening's going to Fox. He's like, oh, they, oh wait, if they buy my From Hell uh, IP, then I don't have anything. So I'm just going to make up these characters called The Simpsons and go with that. Mickey Mouse was the same thing, where Walt Disney didn't want to let go of his Oswald the Rabbit. So he just made Mickey Mouse and gave them that, and the rest is history from there. Yep. So Mickey Mouse is the second son of Walt Disney. So Epic Mickey is interesting because it goes over some of Oswald the Rabbit stuff. It even has some of the original shorts in the game, which was pretty cool. So, like, the old, like, 19-something, uh, 1920s or 30s uh, black-and-white cartoons, like, that's pretty cool to see for preservation. And it has stuff like Oswald the Rabbit feeling like the forgotten son of Walt Disney. It's interesting stuff in there. Also, it has a morality system, so Mickey can become more crazy or more nice as you go. <laughs> Because he's using paint and using paint thinner. So you can destroy and you can create in that game. <laughs> they had some interesting yeah. ideas in that one. What was it? Did it was you a good play game. Galaxy? Yeah, I played Galaxy. I really liked Galaxy. Uh, I played one with my two. sister. Uh, I liked both. Um, I think two refined things pretty well, but it didn't feel as great, I guess, story-wise, because Rosalina kind of wrapped it up pretty well together. You, okay. You, I how do I put it like it's just Mario just going around getting told to do things nebulously I guess while as one was more you have someone telling you what to do in a way more more focused I guess and I played them with my sister so player two is they just shoot stars at the screen <laughs> but what I like is Mario has been used by Nintendo to break the mold so many times and you see that with the three games they just they've chosen here. So Super Mario 64 broke the mold. They went from 2D to 3D, and yep. it just blew everything open. You got all these 3D platformers after that. Uh, I'm a Splatoon. Super Mario Sunshine just showed what you could do graphically, and also that you don't have to just platform. You can also do things with like water and paint, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, they love a gimmick. And then Galaxy. You're going around little planets, and this is a whole new thing. It's a different kind yeah. of 3D using gravity and it was such a cool idea doing that and then you still had flat stages uh that you could do that were really challenging and mario has been great for platforming the entire for the entire existence of gaming mario's been great for platforming yeah i'm excited i'll, I'll definitely uh I don't know. Well, I'd probably go straight to Sunshine, I think, but I yeah. I never sat down and played Galaxy for some reason. Okay. I even had it, and I never played it, so I don't know what's wrong with me. The only problem with Galaxy is it will give you major motion sickness if you get any motion sickness at all. Because I know people with motion sickness issues that cannot play Galaxy. Yeah, that's not me. That's I remember. Do you remember when Mirror's Edge came out? Because I remember there was so much hype about... Like oh, God. reviewers, reviewers having played it and getting sick, and they had to puke and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I had a, I had like a puke bowl next to me, and I was like, "Wait a minute, I don't get motion sick." <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Like Mirror's Edge was an interesting, ambitious idea that, in the end, didn't really work out, but wasn't bad. Uh, the the newer version just bleh. they just like let's just redo the game again. Like, oh, all right. Is there a third one? I can't remember this is there. I think they maybe wanted to do one and it didn't happen. Like, um... That's Nintendo again. Nintendo really brought open 
platforming in first person because I remember that for Prime. But when they did Metroid Prime, everyone's like, "You want to do a first person platformer? No one does that. What the hell? Are you, what are you? Why are you doing that?" And then it, it worked. It, yeah. Other people started to do it. Mirror's Edge tried to take it to the next level with parkour and all that. All that. It was all right. It was okay. Um. Uh, not a lo- not a lot of games have really utilized it as to the degree Mirror's Edge or Prime have. Like there's there's running around. I think Doom does a lot of really good uh, frantic parkouring around and fighting and everything, which is really good. But it's not really for exploration. Well, you do exploring in Doom, but it's not like it's not like it's a platforming game. It's more of a you platform to blow up demons. But it's really good. It's fun. Hmm. Where are we? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, right. Other thing to talk about from that direct. Uh, Mario Super Mario 35, or whatever it's uh, being called. I'm really excited for that because I really like Tetris 99. I've never won Tetris 99, but it gets re- it's really fun when you get to the uh. end and you're taking on an expert and you just can't beat them, but you're trying your best. Yeah, I remember I played for weeks and I, I came so close. I got second or third a few times, but mm-hmm. I never won. That was so annoying. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, just there's always just one really good player. Uh, yeah, it's it is funny when twenty people getting up on you. It's also just very <laughs> stressful when twenty people getting up on you. Yeah, I'm in danger. Uh, so thirty five is gonna be interesting like that too. Problem is, well, it's thirty five, which means there are people who spent thirty five years playing this game. So. <laughs> it ain't gonna be easy. Still, it'll be a fun novelty. I'm just disappointed by the the thing they said. By in March, it's all going away. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's a really weird decision that Nintendo makes here and there, where they have this gigantic, robust library they could utilize, and then, but they, instead, they just Disney vault it, and I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's something I never understood, even with Smite, where I didn't, I never, I don't care for limited skins. I don't care for limited digital things. Like, we could all yeah. just have this. Instead of putting the cake behind the window, we could all just have the damn cake. Yeah. As as many times as we want, whenever we want. Instead, it's behind something that we can't get past. And it just feels not right in a digital age to do that. Because, well, if it's out there, then people who weren't there yet can buy it now. With it being in the vault, well, they don't have access to it. They can't buy it. So I don't see how you're making more money. It becomes, I guess, using hype as a currency. Well, well, it's gone for now. We'll bring it back in a couple of years, and then everyone will be hyped for it again, I guess. But I don't see any value in that. I, I feel like it's just not making money that way. Still, it was a pretty hype direct. Every week, people are like, there's going to be a new direct. There's going to be a new direct. And then it finally happens. And then next week, people are like, there's going to be a new direct. Right? I feel like there needs to be one more Smash Fighter this year, but who knows how development's going, because, of course, the virus is here. Yep. Um... Speaking of virus. Parasite. (laughs) Oh, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about Parasite. Okay. So, without spoiling yet, holy sh- cheat that movie. Yeah. The camera work is amazing. Uh, the music is like the way music is used to set the mood is really good. Mm-hmm. The acting, <laughs> the like the little moments with the acting, where yeah. 
like near the end when it's the father, I can't remember the father's name right now. Um, and he's driving and the the rich wife is there and she's in the car and she rolls down the window. Also the framing of everything. She's got her feet up on the, on the, the passenger seat. She's talking on the phone loudly. She rolls down the window because she thinks he smells when she's got her feet right next to him. And you see him noticing her roll down the window and just, just a little tinge of annoyance on his face. Like he just, he's already yep. annoyed and he gets a little more annoyed. Like it's subtle, Everyth- but it's enough. Yep. Everything's like under the surface for the first three quarters of it. And then it boils up. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing of it is it really is a slow boil. The entire movie. It is just slowly rising as you go. Like, uh, from start to finish, you know, so I was going to like, all right, this is very relatable because I grew up poor. I grew up a uh, bit personal. I grew up with cockroaches in my house. I grew up with a lot of this kind of poor stuff that happens at the start, and it felt yeah. way too familiar. I was like, this is way too familiar for me. Uh, the father talking to his son feels like things that have happened in my with me and my father. Like when yeah. the dad says, "I'm proud of you, son," I felt that. I'm like, yeah, I've I've had that moment being. Uh, being the oldest son in a poor household trying to make it. I felt that. And just the struggle and what you try to do. Now, of course, what they do uh, going into like the middle is not something uh, <laughs> I would do. But it just feels like, holy crap, are they really trying to pull this up? Yeah, they are. All right. Okay. Like, as it's going, like, I can say things that were in the trailer. Like, there's... Uh, Kijun is the main character, I think. Well, is the is the oldest son. I think that's his name. Then there's his sister. I'm wondering, is the sister everyone's favorite character? Because I feel like she is. Yeah, I'd say so. Like, she's my favorite. I think she's just everyone's favorite. And, like, in the trailer, you see that he gets the job, and then she he they do stuff to get her the job as well. Yeah. And just the next level from there, I'm like, oh, they're really trying to do that? Okay. They're, all right. It's like an infiltration. Yeah. And... As they're trying to infiltrate, I'm like, are they really going to take it all away? Yeah, they're going all the way with this idea. And he just feels, I'm like, oh, this is feeling a little greedy now. Damn, all right. (laughs) And the interaction with different characters, and there were so many places I thought it was going to go, and it didn't go in those directions. It just kept surprising me. But it also felt like, yeah, this, this feels right as well. But the progression just kept like, oh, I didn't see that coming. I thought it was going to be this other thing. Oh, I didn't see this coming. Yep. I thought it was going to be this other thing. And that's something I appreciate is it surprised me while also at the same time as it progressed, aside from some of the crazy uh, twists that do happen, it, it kind of fits and makes sense where it goes. Yeah. It's just funny. In the beginning, you think it's going to be a... Uh, the, the, the movie is really sympathetic to the plight of like the underclass. Yeah. But it's not, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is. I think, I think he, he the director of Bong Joon-ho, I think he was making that with that element in mind. Like he is, he is thinking of um, the impoverished and how, how the system crushes them. But yeah, at the same time, it's not like they're shown to be excellent people. It's not, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything where, uh, that's often found in in like uh, Christianity, where the poor are upheld as uh, excellent. 
you know there's like there's virtue in being poor or whatever yeah he doesn't do any of that he like <laughs> there, there's a because what's what's funny about seeing people use memes and images and the way people have reacted to it on on twitter for example it's like a clinical misreading of the movie i think where people try to make it that um the the rich are are these evil monsters and the and the poor are these heroes but that's not what the movie's like at all if you if you watch the movie um generally speaking the rich family is quote-unquote better morally than the poor family it's not it's not until about the halfway mark where you start to see the ways in which the rich family is all is terrible as well but generally speaking the 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 poor family is terrible <laughs> and yeah. yet and yet you come you see if you see people react to it and the way people talk about it and the way people post memes about it it's almost like the the moral of the story is rich people are bad but that's not at all what it's about i don't think from my reading of it is it's an attack on an entire system and not a a class of people even though there are clear critiques of people that are wealthy and the the one percent or whatever but i think i think the big point in the movie is that that was really the turning point is the the scene where the uh the the poor family i keep calling them that because it's been so long since <laughs> i've actually seen are, it though. now yeah um what's their what's the family's name actually do you know uh I the think park the, family yeah the park family it's the parks the forgot the other and two. the kims the parks and the kims and then there's that third family that yeah there. so the the park family i mean when they get control of the house for that that one night where yeah. the the kim family goes away that's that's really the turning point because up until that point they have they've infiltrated the family and everything and that night they basically assume control and usurp the kims as the ruling class like just for just for like a night they gain control and they try to take their place as the rich people and they there's a whole discussion and it's like not even subtext it's they're talking about how uh you know the rich people are only nice because they're rich and all this other stuff and yeah. meanwhile they're they they're drunk on power basically <laughs> and then and then as soon as uh the kims come back from that the little mini vacation that didn't work out they the kims all of a sudden i don't think it's a coincidence at all that the parks try to take power and then the kims immediately uh shove them back down either the movie does it and shoves them back down they get smacked back down or the kims are doing it to them and 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 shoving them back in their place basically yeah the and all these thing. bad things happen to them after that the, the whole the thing's doing it um, for the parks yeah now i'll say spoiler warning because it's just getting into it um <laughs> i'll put a time for after this in the description to get at past this the people who haven't seen parasite uh i think on a surface level like the thing about uh, his movies are there's a lot of class warfare in his movies and his older stuff was very much just in your face yeah capitalism's bad the rich are bad f the rich like straight out says it to your face he got he's gotten more subtle with time with this one he got way more subtle but on a surface level you what I like is people have different interpretations, but I feel like the pure, pure, the final interpretation is everyone's a parasite. But the yeah. surface level, uh, the surface level is, 
the Parks of the Parasite or the Kims of the Parasite. And you'll see articles of that where people are like, well, he really hates the poor. I was like, oh, wow, he really hates the rich. And it's more, <laughs> everyone's a parasite in this movie for different yeah. reasons. Um, yeah. the, the Kims rely on the Parks for different things, and the Parks rely on the Kims for different things. And then there's the yep. third family who's also relying on other stuff. And it felt too relatable and also frustrating because of how relatable it was when you had both poor families fighting for scraps. Exactly. I was going to say, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to view the, the park family as like some, uh, hero of the underclass when they're literally stomping on the other people that are working alongside them. Like the, the former kitchen manager and the former driver, they, they, they literally shoved those people down, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to achieve the status that they do, which is not that that much higher, but they, you know, and, and there's one point where somebody asks, like, "Hey, what about them? Do you think they still have work?" And that's that's the yeah. part where the they take the the house for a night, and the, someone was like, "Oh, forget about them. Who cares?" I think it was the girl, yeah. young girl. She's um, like, "No, nah, forget about them. Who cares?" The story was very human because everything was believable. Yeah, uh, having characters who are like, "You, do you think they're okay?" And then having the daughter who's fed up with things like, screw them, it's about us. And you understand yeah. both their mindsets. Yeah. And you understand the father's mindset and the mother's. But when the big twist happens, well, one thing is when they replace the house, uh, the house lady, the housekeeper, yeah. I'm like, she's going to come back. That was the only thing I got right. She's coming back. Something with I her thought she was going to murder them, though. Yeah. I thought she was going to do something crazy. Yeah. But it wasn't the crazy that I thought it was going to be. It was crazy though. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's like what? And like the thing with the cellar, like what's she doing in the cellar? It's like oh, oh, yeah. there's a dude down here. Now yeah. we're spoiling it. Uh, that dude, and then the crazy stuff with him, like just being isolated and how he sees Mister Kim as, as some like, god, god yeah. figure. So you're like, all right, yeah, I believe that because he's been down here this whole dang time, and just everything going with that and. When they have the moment where she's like, look, I'll pay you to keep taking care of my husband. I'm like, take the money, take the money, take, just do it. <laughs> Be nice. But she's just crapping no. on this lady the whole time. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, no. Work together. You're, you're doing this well. It'll complicate things. But you already got a pretty complicated situation. Working with her is having an ally is better than not. <laughs> but she's totally against it. And that for me is the turning point that hurts the family is when she decided not to do it. And then they fall yeah. over like dorks. Um, that's where everything changes. It's like, all right, so that's the big turning point of the film. And then you have the whole thing where they're just basically being hostages and they're yes. doing that whole North Korea talk. Yes. It's funny. Cause they, they, um, the former housekeeper calls, calls the, uh, the, the park mom, uh, sis. Yeah. She's like, Hey sis, you know, let's, let's work together on this. And then because, because the parks have the power, she's like, screw you bitch and then and like she literally says that and then when the tables are turned and the former housekeeper has the power uh the park mom calls her sis yeah and she's like uh no i don't think so you just told me to screw up mm-hmm. there's no way i'm going to uh to go along with this which i think is hilarious and also yeah that whole the whole digital nuke thing where if i send this button it's like launching a it's like launching a nuke, like yeah. just completely lose control. And that has different, I'm sure that played differently to, uh, to Korea. Yeah. 
Yeah, to Korea. That's it's a little more close to home for them. So I think that that reference is a little bit different. Because I feel like for them, North Korea is always always in the back of their mind. Like for some people, like oh, they'll never do anything, but they could. Yeah, it's a little scarier if you're actually close. Mm -hmm. Like it's their it's their border threat. Like here, there's a lot of fear mongering about the the border threat, but I feel like that's an actual tangible threat. Is Kim Jong Un? (laughs) That feels way more tangible. Everyone like now. Why do you think they killed the daughter? Like the one who dies is the daughter, and why do you think she was killed? Like as a storytelling choice. Um, I, I don't know. I think that was more of a practical decision to make than a like a metaphorical one. I feel like there's there's different ways to take it. One is she's the one with the best chance of making it out of that family. So taking away the the brightest light is one way of it. Another one is she is everyone's favorite character, so killing the the favorite character is very popular always. And the other one I felt was she basically killed the housekeeper. Like yeah. sh- sure the mom kicked her down the stairs, but I feel like she took she got the peaches and put her in her face. And I'm like, "Oh, that's not good for her. She she has a very aggressive allergic reaction." So I feel like that or the concussion or combined killed her. So maybe both of the women in the family killed her. But I, I just feel like maybe it's just payback because she did kill her, so she gets killed back by the husband. Just from a storytelling perspective, I think it's the practical choice to make because it was set up in the beginning that um, the the father and son have this relationship together, and they have a they they often talk about you know plans and dreams there was a lot of dialogue about that that yeah. gets brought back in the end mm-hmm. so i think one of the two kids had to die to have that emotional impact like if you're going to kill one of them it makes the most sense to kill the daughter because the i mean ultimately you have to have that final scene where the son is having like a, a dream basically yeah because he's with us know. at the start so he's got to be with us at the end yeah, but so I, I think it's just more of a practical thing. I thought The Rock killed him. I really didn't think he made it. Because <laughs> yeah. he looks very dead. He did, he did. And that's the thing is, people make decisions. Uh, everyone makes a bad decision in the end. Um, yep. Let's see, uh, he makes a decision to go kill the guy, and that comes back to bite him. Um, but at the same time, if he didn't do that, his sister is the one who would have gotten caught. Would have been hit by the guy. Yep. He, she would have been ambushed. Um... Because, yeah, they show remorse. That entire night is crazy. Just going back to it. Yeah. Before the next morning. Like, that night's crazy. Like, when the when the Kims are back, when the Kims come back and they're under the table, it was like, oh, this is such a tense and awkward moment for them. And then they made it even more tense and awkward for them. It's like, oh, he took it that far with this. And just like, there's so many things. Like, they're talking about the family. So the father gets to hear what they really think about him. And the acting's great because you can just see the the hurt. You can see it's it's cutting him pretty deep. Because yeah. he really liked them. He respected them. And it's cutting him deep. And then the stuff they do. And then they finally get away. And they find that their home has been flooded. And so, they not only do they lose power, but just God himself is against them as well. They're, <laughs> they're getting hit as hard as you can get hit. They they lose their home and it's such a desperate moment when they're in their flooded house, yeah. And this this daughter's just given up. She's just smoking on the exploding toilet. And I've had 
in my personal life, I've had something like that, not to that degree where I lost the whole house, but I had something where a flooding issue happened. It just destroyed a lot of stuff my family had. And so I just felt something there. So I was like, ah, just sometimes life just kicks you right in the dick. Really do. <laughs> they already were in a bad situation because of what's happening in the basement, but then this happens. This thing, there's the basement, then they're in an even lower level here in the city itself. They're at the bottom where the water pools. And it's all just, they're getting kicked so hard. And then when the dad says, the best plan is to have no plan, it's very heartbreaking. Because when you have plans, they always get ruined. And I've had that feeling in my life where I had all these plans and then they all just went up. And I'm like, maybe I just shouldn't have a plan. I've had that point in my life. So I felt that a lot. And then, of course, the next morning happens where they don't get any time to breathe. Now the Kims want to do a party and they don't get to breathe at all. I'm like, oh, geez, this is happening. Yep. And you just watch it all wear on the father. So people are like, why does he kill Mr. Kim? It's like, why wouldn't he at the point he's at? Well, another reason is how callous the Kims are. Because a key thing yep. for me is his daughter's bleeding out. They only care about their son. Yep, yep. They, they make no effort to also help the tutor, which is such a damning indictment of that family. Because for me, it'd be like, all right, we got to get the son. We got to get her too. Because are you kidding me? She's bleeding out. We got to get her to the hospital as well. That is what I would do. That I know that's what I'd do. But for them, it's completely only the son matters. We don't care about the girl who's bleeding out on our lawn. And it's just yeah. like, I cannot believe that. And I think that's all that's going through his mind is, they don't care about my daughter at all. She's bleeding on her. They don't care. They the want entire the second, second, or really last third of the movie is you realizing that the Kims are ignorant to everything that the Parks are struggling through, and they, yeah. they just don't care. And that's that's where you see their true, true nature pop out. Because in the first half of the movie, you're thinking like, oh my gosh, the the Kims are these upright citizens, and they're fantastic people. Mm -hmm. They might be a little stupid or something, but you know the 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 parks are evil monsters and then you kind of the tables turn a bit and you're like okay they're all terrible um <laughs> <laughs> like they're all parasites in different ways like it's yeah it's more like that's this becomes the indictment of the entire system is yeah. money and classes it cause a lot of parasiting between everyone like the poor families parasites on the on the rich family because they're just they're using them for money and to be in just this better position was yeah. the Kims are, they're all distant from each other. And they use their connections to the parks to supplement other things. Like, the wife is uses uh, the daughter and the, and the mother as, like, emotional support. They use, mm -hmm. they use them to help her, she uses them to use, help her come up with ideas. She also uses them to take care of her kids. She uses that family to take care of her kids. So yeah. that... Uh, they do it instead of her. And she wonders why they're so distant from her at the same time. And like those kids are, are in ways, emotional parasites as well. If you, if you can go that far where the kid's acting out cause he's not getting any attention. And now the sister's giving him attention. So he's not acting out anymore. There's also the guy under the house. And yeah, I mean. <laughs> the guy under the house is literally being a parasite where he's yeah. feeding off uh, their food and, and water and everything. And he caused the ghost situation for the boy. Which, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, that's what happened to the kid. Oh, I thought it was just something intangible. Like, no, if this guy literally caused that kid to freak out. <laughs> There's so much 
there's a, a lot of good salty to that movie and and just remember like i remember when the housekeeper said she cut all the cameras I'm like i wonder when that how that's going to be relevant and then it's relevant at the end it's like oh that's where it's relevant yeah i mean that's the it's a sign of a, a great movie where all this stuff is brought up it's all tied together it's all relevant at some point there's nothing mentioned for no reason you know everything's intertwined all these characters crossing paths and you know stepping over each other and then they get stepped over i mean it's just so it's so perfectly knit and and it's this the uh cinematography the yeah. uh the camera work i mean goodness the lighting the mm -hmm. the set itself that's a fantastic if you look up the behind the scenes on that that's pretty cool there's a ton of green screen work in it actually oh really wow didn't know that i thought yeah, the whole yeah, thing they, was just on a oh wow they they green screened a lot of stuff out uh mm. and added stuff in in the background to to make it what they wanted but they did actually they built that house mm. for the movie um it's just fantastic it's just it it's artfully done but yeah. it's entertaining and uh yeah it's it's cool it's super super cool that it won the oscar for best picture it deserved it, deserves it. it. There's, it, there's no other movie that I watched that was even close. So. Yeah. We're and... gonna nominate Ford versus Ferrari. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Been meaning that's to watch an Ari the... movie. Been hearing people. I think uh, my understanding is if you're a creator, you'll appreciate that movie. Is my understanding. Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, because it's like creators versus uh, like your boss, kind of meddling with your creative process. Is my understanding. Oh, okay. Been meaning to watch it. I got to watch it already. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting angle. Uh, I didn't think of it that way, but mm. yeah. <laughs> I okay. Before we start talking about Parasite, I think we gotta talk about the final shot or the final segment. It's both hopeful and depressing as heck. Because yeah. the dad's like, "I'm gonna put this message out every night because you might be alive, son. I actually don't know if you're alive." Um, I thought he was dead, but he puts out that Morse code message. Which, just thinking about the light, watching it again, you're like, oh, wow, that light's been happening this whole time. Wow. And the Morse code mentions the sun, and the sun says, here's my plan, Dad, is what I'm going to do. And mm -hmm. you're like, oh, wow, that's a hopeful moment. All right. It gives you some hope. It gives you some, like, maybe he can pull this off. I don't know how the hell he's going to pull it off, but maybe he can. And then the final shot is he's just in the ba he's back at home. Uh, that's what he's going to do. That's his dream. And that's the final shot. And... I still feel like it's a cake and eat it too kind of situation where you can choose that he actually pulls it off. But for other interpretations, it is, no, it's just a dream. It's never going to happen. And that's what he wanted. Because he said the final shot's the kill shot. Mm -hmm. Where he shows you that this is the sun's hope and it's never going to happen. I'm like, damn. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't think there's another way to read it, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to suspend everything, okay. Yeah. But... It's it's literally the only one of those like flashback slash flash forward scenes in the movie that isn't true, mm -hmm. and uh, all all the other ones were actually coming to fruition, and that one didn't happen. I, it's it's pretty telling because it, it just the the entire movie kind of dispels the idea that you can have any like upward mobility. Yeah, you know, because you have this the physically the the parks have to walk all the way up to the the kim's spot this like perch all the way up at the top of the city and after that fateful night where they get kicked out of the house or they kind of have to sneak out 
um, they they descend back down. You know, they had that one moment up top, and then it was it wasn't really their rightful place. I guess is what you could say. They mm-hmm. they took that spot for just a night. They get kicked all the way back down. They have to descend down the stairs. Their home is destroyed. A disaster. Blah blah blah. But yeah, they never actually rise back to that. And uh, it's the only. It's literally the only one of those flashback flash forward scenes that wasn't that wasn't real and it just it i think it's it's a great way to without saying it explicitly that there's just there's no hope for for someone uh in the kid's circumstance to to uh attain that level of wealth it's just not it's just not how it works it's not how the system works yeah um like so yeah because that was the thing he said is when people are like, why are we letting this foreign film be in the, in the Oscars? And he says, it's a local movie. Like that's a hell of a statement because it is because of course yeah. capitalism, all that is. We are in a point where this movie is, it, it's such a believable movie because it really does feel aside from, of course the crazy parts, but it's such a human movie. It's such a relatable movie, such a real movie. It deserved the Oscar win. And it really more people need to see it, I feel, because it gets you thinking about, yeah, there is this kind of, kind of just screwed where we are kind of thing. Because we can apply this to real life. In America right now, for anyone who's not in the US or don't know, we're at the point where if you work minimum wage, you actually cannot afford an apartment. The, yeah. apart- the wages are too, the, the price of apartments too high, where even minimum wage can't pull it off. Where it used to be totally doable 20, 30 years ago. Now, nowhere in this country is that doable. So upward mobility feels even more stifled than ever. So this movie is extremely relevant. It is, yeah. And I like how... I mean, if you've seen if you've seen Snowpiercer, particularly, that's a movie that is very... It's just a giant metaphor... Yeah. And there's something about that that turns me off um, because it just, it feels, it, I, there's something deflating about making a a metaphor, you know, and just, and just having, because once you know what the metaphor is, it's like, ah, that's kind of lame. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? There's something, there's something lame about, okay, there's a train, all the social classes are on the train. It's like, okay, once you see all the stuff, it's like, eh, I don't, it, it, like, there's nothing intellectual to go away from that with in my opinion but in yeah. this it's it believable enough where there's some things that you can see are more of a metaphor where it gets more mystical kind of but they're, they're elements of the film it's not the entire film it's like the film actually works at just as a film mm-hmm. not not just where it's okay it's a metaphor and once you know what the metaphor is it's over i mean there's like i said there's you know you're talking about uh the upper class literally being upper and the lower class literally being lower and the, you know there's the the parasite element where you have this guy just living in the basement off of uh you know living under the skin basically of the, of the house so there's 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 elements of the metaphor that it's it's going for um in there but it actually works just as a movie first and then if you want to engage with the other things you can and i just find myself thinking about it a lot either the technical aspects or the philosophical aspects. But yeah, it's, it doesn't just deflate after I think about it. Yeah. That's what makes it good is it's very layered and, and 
it takes thought to think about all the layers to it. That's what makes it so good. Whereas, yeah, Snowpiercer is a bit more ham-fisted about it. Yeah, did you see it? Uh, I was turned off by it, too. Like, I'm, yeah. like, I'm watching, like, I don't know. I'm not, no, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I, could, I just couldn't get into that movie. There you go. It was just too obvious about it. Now, yeah. uh, can you go a little, a little, couple more minutes, or are you? Uh, you got something else? I just want to talk about Journey real quick and Origami King. And yeah, let's it. go. Let's go. Oh, okay, so Journey is amazing, and it's on PC. It's on Epic. It's on. <laughs> everyone should have access to it. You should play it. Oh my God, Journey is great. Yes. Uh, it's such a quick thing. It's funny as I played Abzu first, not realizing. Really. That uh, Journey was basically the entire. Uh, influence on Abzu. It, it's like one to one. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is very much Abzu. What the heck? Because uh, I got Abzu. The developer gave it to me. Like, hey, check it out. See if you like. It. I'm like, all right, this is kind of fun. I like it. I'm playing. I'm like, oh, hey, Abzu's this game. All right, and I know Abzu came way later. Uh, I played Flower also by the same company, and Flower was pretty cool. But yeah. Journey. What is interesting about it is you get to play with other people. You don't know who they are. You get yeah. a weird attachment to other people who you can't talk to, but you try to talk to. Did you know that there were other people when you were playing or not? Because I watched a little bit of your playthrough. Were you aware that they were other players? Yeah, that was something that I knew a long time ago, that other people are in it. Like, they're not okay, just AI. Okay, because I didn't know that. Okay, so that was the only aspect I knew. was like, there's other people, you can only talk to noise, and that's it. Everything else, I had no idea. Like, I tried to be okay. in the dark as much as I could. I yeah. just knew there were other people... And, and that they weren't AI. And yeah. I went out of my way to get all the scarf uh, increases. And so <laughs> when I did the LP of it, I was like, hey, check out my big scarf. You like how big my scarf <laughs> I kept just talking about it and just comparing I mean, my scarf you, to the right? other person. Yeah. <laughs> that's your brand. It was such a fun LP to do. And then you get to the end with the big struggle. Oh. And what's interesting is uh, I was talking with someone else, I was talking with Jinx. She did it alone. And so it's this uh, this struggle alone to get up there. But for me, is I had another person with me. Yeah. And so we're struggling up, and we just keep making the noises at each other, just pushing each yeah. other on. And it's such just, an em emotional moment. Yeah, just barely making it. You're you're struggling to move forward. You're moving forward at like a snail's pace. By the end, yeah, everything looks lost. And then at the last second, you know, you have this. The last, the last, I don't know, ten minutes of that game are just the one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen yeah. or played or watched whatever it's just so emotional i, cry, I literally cry every single mm -hmm. time i know that I song it. and you're like ascending to heaven or whatever yeah i'm getting emotional now it's such a good moment um and Ugh. the joy for me because i was going up and i was going up with the other person that was with me we both made it i was really happy and like we made it we we struggled we made it we overcame this thing it was such a great moment and i i'm getting choked up now about it, it was such a good moment and then when you beat it all, you get to see everyone's names. And yeah. here was the kicker about it for me was we got through all of it. And I was with this person for like the last part and we get to see the names and then it's done. And their name was like 420 master 69. And I just <laughs> laughed my ass off. Like that's who I was with. I struggled together with 420 master 69. <laughs> I didn't realize that there were other players playing with me. You thought so, they were just all AIs, I, so that's cool. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I just I didn't think anything of it. I've you know I've seen mm -hmm. AI that acted like that before. Uh because they everyone does act kind of weird because you're trying to figure out 
you, you kind of randomly hit the button, yeah. the, like the pulse button or whatever. So I could totally believe that that was an AI and I did. So I didn't think anything of it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing that you're playing with somebody. That's a great twist. Yeah. It's a nice surprise. Just the game. sand surfing. The sand surfing that game oh, that was, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I like that the a lot. The sun, the sun just shimmers on it. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a nice looking game. Oh, going back oh, yeah. to Fall Guys a moment, thinking about it. Did you see there was a video where <laughs> someone helped another person get up the wall in Whirligig? I did not see that. No. Okay, so there's a minute long video where there's a player who just can't get over the wall. They just can't get over it, and another player notices. So they go up the wall in front of them and try to show them. They're still not getting it. So they grab them and then go up the wall again, and they're still not getting it. They keep doing it. They just keep grabbing them. They're still like, you gotta grab, and then you jump up and get on it. And so they keep doing this. And finally, the other player finally understands. They grab the wall and they climb up, and then they jump together, and then they both get eliminated because time run hit. Everyone's crossed the finish line. Yep. And it's just this nice moment of communication without being able to talk, helping someone overcome a situation, and thankfully they got it before time ran out on them. Because it would have been really sad if they didn't learn it by the end. Because this guy spends a full minute trying to teach them how to get over that wall. Because they weren't being able to pull off just jumping off the little box. And so you, you assume it's either just someone who just can't play very well, or it's just a kid or something. And so it was nice seeing someone help someone out without any communication. It's a nice moment. That is, that is. Uh, speaking of journey and going over a hill, uh, Celeste is a game I can, uh, I can recommend. I know I you heard this one. I played it a little bit, yeah. Okay. Celeste is another game like that because it's a, a little girl yep. climbing a mountain and overcoming yep. herself. That's a really good game. If you can get through it, because it does get hard. Um, the yeah. story to that is it, it'll get you too. I think Journey will get you more, but yeah, uh, yeah, Journey is one of I those en- experiences. I enjoyed Celeste a lot. It was really satisfying gameplay. It w- it wasn't so much that it was too hard. I don't know. I just there's a lot of games where I start them and I'm like, oh, this is great, and then I just don't okay. finish. Origami King, I haven't finished yet. I, I'm maybe halfway, a little more than halfway. You remember what color you're on? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the desert, actually. Okay, so you're that far. So you're past the boulder. Yeah, I'm past the boulder. The boulder was such a moment for me. <laughs> I, it, man, I don't know why they. Why do they do things? I wish the, the <laughs> partners mattered. I, I would have preferred the other style combat, but it's mm-hmm. still a great game. I just it's annoying. I don't know why like, they are the way they are. For me, Bobby mattered. <laughs> oh yeah, for um, sure. I understand the complaints, but I feel like anyone who's not playing it because it's not the old games is doing a disservice to themselves. Yes. Because for me, I can't I can't give anything away, but when the game finished, I cried. Yeah. I really, really like this game. It's a 10 out of 10 for me, even with the combat being what it is. Wow. The reason why I'm okay, I get okay with the combat is because JRPGs, same thing. Eventually, you just get bored of it. Eventually, it just gets tedious. <sighs> So it's the same thing. I agree. Like, uh, Thousand yeah. Year Door eventually gets tedious. Um, I think that's true. Mode, I just thing. I got tedious of it very early, okay. and I find myself avoiding fights. Yeah, which is understandable. Um, that's actually something I really appreciated. Is I'm not beholden to XP. Yep. So because I'm doing the LP right now, I like that I have like an hour long stretch in this game, and I didn't do a single battle. I'm just doing story, and I'm enjoying the story. I like that. I like that a lot. But if you want to 100% the game, you need at least 200 battles. So, When I beat the game, I got the 200 battles, so I was okay on that trophy. But um, 
it's I really enjoyed it. Um, the music is amazing. I love how creative they are with the music, where every area has its own song, and the battle music yeah. is is an improvement of the song into battle. Yeah. And yeah, for me, it's ten out of ten. It's in the top three. I don't know where it is in the top three. Um, it might be number one for me, which is blasphemy to say against Thousand Year Door. <laughs> I like Thousand yeah, Year Door a lot. What I what yeah. I really really like about this game is what's one of the problems with Thousand Year Door? That is the insane amount of backtracking. There is very little backtracking in Origami King. Uh, but Thousand Year Door, of course, is such a good memorable game, and it it's a valid complaint. You don't have these memorable. I still like the companions in Origami King, but they're not Bombet. They're not Goombet. Uh, I think her mm-hmm. name's Goombet. They're not um uh suddenly forgetting names. They're not Vivi, they're not uh no that's Vivian or I think Vivi's Vivian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vivian Vivi's, there's uh, the, else. the rat character, the uh, mouse. Yeah, the mouse lady. Koopa, the Koopa kid. Yeah, the Koopa kid, uh the Goomba kid. The actual the the bomb guy in and that one was better than the bomb bot than Bobby, I think. Uh, I mean like, I like Bobby, but he's useless, <laughs> so it's hard yeah, to yeah. I don't um, like him that much. See, like, there's the Captain bob then there's Bombette from the first Mar- Paper Mario. Yeah. Um, There's Koops. Like, Koops is a good character. Like, there's a lot of ca- characters that are very memorable. Yeah. And when it comes to Origami King, the most memorable characters to an extent. Bobby's memorable, especially what, what his story goes through. He he has character development, which I appreciate. Uh, The guy you have oh, in the desert is alright. Um... The next companion's fun, but he's just fun. Like, there's a companion per level. Uh, The later companions are fun characters, and there's some things, but I think Bobby's the the best one because he has character development, and his story is just... His story's special. Because you go on this uh, revenge tale with him, and you don't realize you're going on a revenge tale. And when you're on the boat with Bobby, and he talks about how Bob-omb's the life of a bomb like that that changed my perspective on bomb bombs and games in general <laughs> it really did did you enjoy the the boss battles being like because i really like the way they set up the boss battles mm-hmm. but i'm not sure how much i like the boss battles uh characters themselves even though i think they got the most out of them yeah like i enjoyed them but i probably would have preferred some unique stuff as opposed to stationary you know yeah like they're they're just they're it's like pencils or you know crayons or something you know what i mean i personally i absolutely love the novelty of it i liked it because it's such a challenge to try to make a stationary thing be a boss it's like creatively a challenge that that they took on and the the color pencil fight was hype i love that fight i really enjoyed it When you grab the pencils and you jam it into the mach- into the con- the yeah. container, it's like, oh, that's so good. That's hype. The second boss was uh, Rubber Band Man. Creatively, it's pretty fun. It's not the most interesting fight, but it's as as a creative idea, it's kind of fun. The upcoming yeah. bosses have different fun things about them. They have different gimmicks. They're fun to fight. Yep. I personally enjoyed them because when you do something as silly as stationary, it's a challenge to the developer to make it worth playing. And if you buy into it, it's worth it. If you didn't buy into it, some people didn't buy into it. They didn't care for it. They thought it was dumb. 
And so for them, it wasn't that great. For me, I like the novelty. I like that every boss fight had a different gimmick. Because it's the same thing with the elementals. Uh, like the turtle had a gimmick to him. Uh, yeah, the elementals and, are interesting. I like those a lot. I like those fights. I, I really enjoy the boss fight mechanic a yeah. lot more than I did the normal fights. Like it does feel like a treat when you get to do a boss fight. Yeah, I think so the normal fights. Yeah, like the normal fights are just tedious. There's no way yeah. around it. The normal fights are tedious, but the boss fights are pretty fun and creative. Yeah. And it's what I appreciate about the Paper Mario games is they've always been really creative in a lot of ways. Good or bad, yeah. they've always been pretty creative. They're they keep evolving. They don't just stay put. Which is that's the thing. Some people wish they stayed at Thousand Year Door. And I'm okay that they evolved past it. I would have I would have liked to have seen them evolve and also not just abandon the mechanics from mm. the old one at the same I time. You. I don't I don't know. It's it's a hard back and forth. Um because they know what people want and they're just intentionally avoiding <laughs> it. And it's a it's a little annoying. Like not having companions, like true companions. Mm-hmm. In, in battle and it just in your party uh, why not why what what's the point i don't it's clearly the way it was in thousand year door i don't even think there's an argument that it was it's clearly better like the way that they had the characters join you for the party like that setup is better i don't yeah. would you argue for the other side or no no like you can't i don't think you can argue against it i think thousand year door is a hit for a reason it was really good game for a reason people love it's number one for a lot of people for a reason it's really good and not you not you (laughs) (laughs) like i just think accepting where they've gone i absolutely loved thousand year door i I, I, well i love thousand year but i absolutely loved origami king i think if you take it as, as its own thing origami king is a 10 out of 10 if you take it as its pedigree and where it's come from and if you love Thousand Year Door, which everyone does, yeah, it's just not the same beast. Like what helped was when we had Mario and Luigi's games, it gave you it gave the hardcore people that like Thousand Year Door, it gave them somewhere to go. But yeah. now that company's gone. Like There's I There's a strange amount of wandering in Paper Mario yeah. Origami King too. I was confused by that. There's so much just driving around or walking around. I was mm-hmm. I was just that that part didn't really make sense to me in, in any way, like either for this game or for any Paper Mario game. Mm-hmm. I was just confused why there was so much walking in these massive open spaces. For me, it's I think that's always been something they've been guilty of, though. Like all the way back to Super pa- uh, Super Mario, they've always been guilty of these big areas. Um, I th- I will say thematically it makes sense for the desert and the ocean because well, they're a desert and they're an ocean. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like. They help with the scope of the world, but it is like, well, this just big stretch of walking because of this. Um, I think that's why they gave you the boot. Now, if they didn't think of the boot from the beginning, holy crap, the boot was needed to get around that desert, just like how you need the boat to get around the ocean. It would have been so much slower if you didn't have those things. So I think that they knew it was going to be a long stretch, so you got to do stuff like that. The game... Never really dragged for me, thankfully. That's something that really helped with Thousand with uh, Origami King for me. Is it didn't drag. While Thousand Year Door does have drag moments because there's a lot of backtracking. The yeah, I will agree that the backtracking is a problem in Thousand Year Door. Uh, I I will say the pace of Origami King has gotten me a little bit, and that's probably mm-hmm. contributing to why I haven't picked it up in a little bit. 
Yeah, I'd say I'll, I'll get back to it eventually. Yeah, like, yeah, the pacing of it is odd. Um, there's times when you're just marinating on the game. Think like thinking about it. Yeah, there's parts where you're just marinating in it. I yeah. I just had a blast the whole time though. I the full LP for me is like 49 episodes. It's gonna be like so 49 hours. So 50 hours of playing this game is what I did. Yep. And wow. I enjoyed it. I didn't regret any minute. That's what I feel wow. about that game. That's why it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Because I have games yep. where I've played, like, this was pretty enjoyable, but there's these moments that I just did not really like. Well, I, we're, what can I say? We're two different people. I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that's me. I probably put in, like, 12 or 15 hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I kind of, I'm at the point where it's like, I want to get to the good stuff, but I don't want to slog through the stuff I don't like. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. But yeah, okay. anyway. Um, in the end, yeah, everyone's got the things that they can do. <laughs> I just for me, I thought it was ten out of ten. It's in the top three. Yeah. In there is Super Paper Mario. I really like Super Paper Mario as well. Never played that one. Uh, I'm surprised by how many people don't like it. I just thought it was. It's because it's not Thousand Year Door, partially. Yeah. But it's it's good. It's good. Um, I don't know. Paper Jam counts because it's also a Mario and Luigi game. <laughs> Paper Jam's really good and creative. Hmm. And I will we'll end there. Uh, I say it's worth playing. I I say it's worth finishing. It's such a good story. It got me a lot. It really got me emotionally a lot. And I'll say Celeste is worth finishing too. Yeah. Um, I, eventually yeah. I'll get to Celeste. Eventually I'll get to Paper Mario and finish it. But currently I'm just going to watch uh, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> Cutscenes. Yeah. All right. Well, three is my favorite and you're watching it right now. I am. I so am. that's cool. Like it's got some crazy moments to it. Uh, as always, I'm actually kind of curious about the LP you're watching. Like uh, you're watching because the sorrow does some things in there. And so the the guy I'm watching, yeah. he they are they took all of the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. They show you some of the boss battles, and they'll show you some of the relevant gameplay. Okay, but there's very little gameplay. They they will only okay. really show you the boss battles when it comes down to gameplay. There's some incidental gameplay that gets shown. Okay, so but I don't really need to see it because I know what it looks like. You know, I've I've seen Metal be played before. Okay, because what's weird about three is you can do first person view through Snake, and okay. the Sorrow is this really ghostly guy. Yep. He shows up in first person view quite a bit. Hmm. And he fixed the story because of that. Like it, uh, if you're playing it that way, if you go through first person view, you see the sorrow quite a bit and it does affect how you play the game. Cause he gives you like passwords and stuff. <laughs> He's like, this is how you get out of here. It's like, Oh, thanks. The sorrow. Thank you for helping me. Also, the sorrow was a very interesting segment. Uh, you're not there yet with the sorrow, but the sorrow segment is very interesting depending on how you played the game. And All I, right. now we're going to have to talk about that in the future. <laughs> okay. But it's oh, I got to run. Yeah. So it's been fun talking to you. I'll have you on again Absolutely. in the future. I'm sure. Good talk. I think this is really good. Yeah. Um, anything you want to shout out randomly? Uh, the boys, the boys season one and two. It's, it's shocking. So if you're not someone who, if you're squeamish about, violence and or uh potentially offensive things i wouldn't watch it but it's it's good okay i'm at least curious uh, and i have amazon prime so i can check it out it's worth a watch and if you don't like it after the first episode like it's it immediately confronts you so you'll figure out if you like it or not by episode one that's good 
Yeah. So that it's, is it's shocking. Well, oh, <laughs> literally, I know there's a character. Um, so uh, that right there is basically a podcast. You're talking with Spiff Benevolent. Very fun time. No idea who the next guest is going to be, but I'm sure it'll be fun because we're talking, and talking is a fun thing to do. Uh, <laughs> so I have fun, have fun watching. That's what's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. <laughs>